It's Tuesday, April 9th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Big shakeups to the Trump administration as Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen resigns, and the U.S. Secret Service Director is also out. The changes signal a shift in the priorities for the president to tougher enforcement on the border, as the acting head of DHS will be Kevin McAleenan, the Customs and Border Protection Commissioner. Steve Gregory, national correspondent for iHeartMedia, joins us to discuss the current changes at DHS and also President Trump's recent trip to the southern border. Next, former Smallville actress Allison Mack has pleaded guilty for her role in the alleged sex slave cult Nexium. After making a tearful apology, Mack admitted that she helped find, recruit, and control women who joined the Nexium founder Keith Rainier's inner circle. Some of the women were branded with the founder's initials and blackmailed into performing services for Rainier. My producer Miranda joins us to break it all down. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. As you know, DHS has a vast array of missions. I want to make sure that we continue to execute them all with excellence through the transition. Uh, I share the president's goal of securing the border. I will continue to support all efforts to address the humanitarian and security crisis on the border. Uh, and other than that, I'm on my way to keep doing what I can uh, for the next few days. Joining us now is Steve Gregory, national correspondent for iHeartMedia. So we're going to talk about the border and a lot of the shakeups that are happening at the Department of Homeland Security. This is signaling a bigger shift towards tougher immigration policy for the president. And we wanted to bring you in to talk about it because you've been covering the border for many, many years. You were just at the border over the weekend when the president went to Calexico. Let's start off with Kristen Nielsen and talk about her resignation. The interesting thing about Nielsen's resignation was that, by all accounts, it was not a resignation. It was a it was a forced firing. Most basically. of them are. Yeah. It was a hidden firing, if you will. It happened on a Sunday afternoon, and it was one of those where she kind of saw the writing on the wall. She'd been bumping heads with the president for quite some time. I mean, even after her sort of mentor, John Kelly, left as chief of staff, she remained on. And the news even then was that her time is limited. Limited. She was almost going to be leaving when John Kelly left. Because she had worked with John Kelly in the Bush administration. Very strong ties to John Kelly. And John didn't. John Kelly didn't leave on the best of terms either. So she was already sort of persona non grata when it came to how she was viewed by the president. Fast forward, as things started to happen, more and more families kept crossing illegally into the United States. Detention centers were overflowing. Border agents weren't getting the resources they needed. And this was all a reflection, in the president's opinion, a reflection on Kirsten Nielsen's job performance. And it's a tough thing because the Department of Homeland Security covers so many other Aspects. Of course, yeah. Uh, but the border issue has become so central in the administration that, yeah, she was almost the fall guy for this. She was the face of the family separation policy, the no uh, zero tolerance policy. And this is all part of why she decided to leave or slash well, got fired. She sat before Congress a number of times having to defend the president's position on a lot of different issues having to do with the border and immigration and you're right, the zero tolerance policy was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, because Nielsen in the beginning was not supportive of that. And she was also not supportive of closing the border. Right. Now, another controversial move that she made with, that didn't sit well with the president was when she suggested Ron Vidiello to take over as ICE commissioner. He's the deputy chief right now for ICE, and he too did not support 
closure of the border. So the president, basically, as we've all seen now, he makes these very harsh and rash decisions on his cabinet. And now the agency is without a full-time leader. Taking out Ron Vidiello from consideration for ICE director was also one of the things that pushed her in that direction. It just sets up Stephen Miller, senior White House advisor, who's very hawkish in a lot of immigration issues and has the ear of the president. It seems like he's calling a lot more of the shots there. Talk about who the acting director for the Department of Homeland Security will be now. Kevin McAleenan. And Kevin McAleenan, he is currently the commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. Now, they're the agency. A lot of people don't realize ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, that's all interior enforcement. Customs and Border Protection is everything that happens between the ports of entry. And the Immigration Customs Enforcement also handles customs issues, ports of entry. And as I mentioned, border in between there. So he comes from a very strong military background. He's been working in the agency now for quite some time. And he is well liked by the president. And he seems to be the guy that everyone likes. He's got friends on both sides of the aisle. He's got a lot of respect from everybody. So I don't know whether he'll want to go from being the commissioner of one arm of the agency to becoming the boss of the whole agency. Right. And I don't know if he wants the whole kit and caboodle. And and that's the thing. You know, it seems like the focus is all in on the border right now. And the president, obviously, it's his prerogative to get the people and as many allies as he can to enforce the policies that he wants to implement. But one of the reports are from NBC News was also that the president has been telling a lot of his aides that he wants to reinstitute family separations again. It was a losing issue when it happened. That's why he reversed the executive order and took it back. Obviously, we have the national emergency going on with the border wall so we can fund more stuff there. It's all these things that he wants to get done. He's got to get the people there to do it. But Some of these have already been losing issues, but he wants to press forward with them again. Two things. First of all, immigration, customs enforcement, homeland security, it is the most controversial agency in the U.S. government, even more so than the IRS or Health and Human Services. It is the most hotly contested issue in our U.S. government right now. The president, he has to balance with what he thinks is best for the nation and with what his voters want. Remember, a lot of what he's doing is to satisfy his voter base because he made promises and he's trying to do everything in his power to keep those promises. He is a president who is very intent on keeping a lot of promises right. and, and making it a big deal when he does even the smallest incremental amounts of it saying, I am keeping these promises. But the reality of being able to achieve those promises is a different story. Right. And at a time when his party ruled both the House and the Senate, it could have been the time that he could have gotten a lot of this stuff done, but it would appear that they were not prepared for a lot of his changes as well. So immigration in its current form will never be solved in my lifetime. It's the only story I've covered in my 25 years I've been covering immigration that has more than two sides to it. And that leads us to the the next thing. You've been covering the border for many years now. You were at the border over the weekend when the president went to Calexico. Tell us how that visit went, and then just talking to border officers, how they feel about the trajectory that the president is taking. Well, obviously, border agents, the boots on the ground, are going to be hugely supportive because this is the first time an agents that I have spoken with say they finally feel like they have a president who supports them. They felt like in the past with Obama and with Bush in in some manner that the agency didn't feel that the presidents had their back. And especially, as I mentioned, being the most controversial agency in the government, it's different for them than a beat cop. Right. It's yeah. so different for them. They're living it day to day and dealing with the troubles. Well, and- international boundaries. Right. That's a whole new world. And whether it's Canadian border or Mexican border, it's, it's a whole different world down there. And the agents themselves feel like they're finally getting support, but in name only. 
they still don't have a lot of resources. They still don't have a lot of mechanics. They don't have the fencing that's going up down there that I saw is 30 foot high now, yeah. which is a, it's just a far cry from the 15 foot high fence that was going on. When you see the 15 foot high fence, you're thinking, well, that's, you know, that's kind of big until you see the 30 foot high fence. <laughs> right. And then you see the razor wire or concertina yeah. wire stranded across the top and you're like, wow, no one's going to be able to get over that. Yeah. And you'll always get people that are going to try or even maybe succeed, but the new setup of the walls with the concertina wire on the bottom and the top of the wall, it does seem pretty tough well, to mount. I go back to what the former Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano said. She was also former governor of Arizona. She said, it doesn't matter how high you build the fence. You build a 30 foot high fence, someone's going to build a 31 foot ladder. Right. So I'm looking at this 30 foot high fence. Great. Yeah. Someone's going to get over it. But it's that drop down that's going to make the difference. <laughs> right, exactly. See what happens on the other side. And how about people there in the border town of Calexico? Because that was one of the other things. The president has said he was going to close down the southern border. Mm -hmm. He went back on that because a lot of his aides, a lot of people were saying this is going to be such an economic impact in this area right here and for the country at large. But in that area, it's going to cause so many more problems. Somebody got to him, it seems like, and he reneged on that. I was looking back historically, Oscar, and President Reagan actually shut the border down once many years ago after a border agent got shot and killed. As sort of a punishment to Mexico, he shut the border down. All the border entries across the southern border were closed for a few hours. Yeah. And he basically told Mexico, if you don't provide the shooter, this border staying closed. Within 36 hours, they provided the suspect. Wow. I look back at that now. So President Trump has been able to get Mexico to do what he's wanting them to do with just a mere threat of shutting the border down. And that's for Mexico to intercede and interdict these caravans that are coming up from Central America again. And he's starting to have an impact there. But if you look at it now, I think, and from what I've been talking to agents and customs agents as well, the president is not, he's still not opposed to shutting the border down or ports of entry. If you see that happening though, I suspect what you're going to see is pedestrian gates closed and probably half of the auto gates closed. I suspect that the trucking lanes will remain open and maybe one or two car lanes, probably the sentry lanes, which are the express lanes. Those will probably remain open so that it won't be fully closed, but commerce will still be able to flow. Right. And that's the important part right there, keeping that commerce flowing. In your many years of covering immigration and the border, what do you think one of the most effective ways of deterring large amounts of immigrants coming to the United States? Before, it was a system where there was mostly Mexican men coming over for work and they passed laws to be able to deport them quickly. The situation has changed now. It's many more families with children. They're coming from Central American companies. They're doing the whole large caravans. And I know that's what the president sees and he doesn't like it. You know, it's like you have all this opportunity to stop these people from getting to the states where we do have an overtaxed immigration system. There's just not enough resources for it. And I know the family separations issue is an attempt to deter people. The same thing with closing the border. What do you think will be one of the most effective ways to get it to these immigrants that it's really tough to get in the U.S. They're waiting in Mexico now. Family separation may have been used by Trump for a deterrent tool, but family separations is actually a security issue. I've been to detention centers and I've seen how they are separated in these warehouse structures and facilities that were not built and equipped to handle copious amounts of people. You have to keep mothers away from fathers. You have to keep children away from fathers because the fathers are in pins with other fathers or they're in facilities with other men. You can't put eight-year-old and nine-year-old girls in the same pin as 35-year-old men. There's just no reason for it. So family separation was going on back in the Reagan administration. The last time I went to a facility was during the Obama administration in 2014 in Nogales, Arizona. And I saw that with my own eyes. 
and they had separated families. And there was also a separate section for pregnant girls. There were nine pregnant girls, girls, not women, girls, nine pregnant girls in one. And I say a cage because they look like it because it's chain link fence yeah, exactly. inside of a warehouse because that's the best, most you efficient a, way to you do get it. A, the right picture angle. Yeah, it looks like a cage. It, right. And, and sure. you can say the cage and whatever. So you've got that. So to answer your question, though, I think I can't give you one answer. And I can only tell you based on what agents tell me. I am not an expert in deturring illegal right. immigration. That's not my, that's my focus. But I can tell you many years of talking to agents. First of all, they say, Walls are a great deterrent. Now, this 30-foot high wall, for instance, the sector chief for El Centro told us the other day that attacks on her agents are down 76% because of that wall. That's huge. And they've had no one trying to get in over the fence since they put it up. Now, that means they're going to keep pushing them further out to the edges. Right. So presumably that's why Trump wants a fence all across the southern border to eventually stop it. And another reason why the agents that he wanted to close the ports of entry is because he wanted to take those agents and put them over to take care of the families because they didn't have enough people to take care of these families. It's a system that's screwed up. The legal system is screwed up. It causes a bottleneck because of the way our, our legal system works. It's snail's pace. Months and years for people to get through for anything, for hearings with judges. Right. That's the problem. And the way that it's set up now, it's so easy to game the system. I mean, I'm hearing stories now coming out of the Yuma sector where a 14-year-old boy came up with this man and this woman and they processed them as a family. And then the 14-year-old boy was taken back down to the border and given to another man and woman. And then he comes up and then they claim family because... They don't keep biometrics on kids 14 and right. younger. So then the next, so they're just using the next him. man and woman comes wow. up and the 14 year old's parents are getting paid money to use this kid four times in a one week period that the same 14 year old came up with. Of course, that's a quote, air quote parents. <laughs> and I don't know how much they're getting paid, but if finally some border agent figured it out, but there's no biometric information on this kid. Yeah. So the system itself, you got to go back to the beginning, right? It's a complicated issue. Thank you for your insights on this. As I said, just doing this for years, I mean, it's so tough. And this is going to be one of the big issues. It's going to be a top priority for the administration going forward. It'll be an issue for the next election. It's never going to go away, really. In your lifetime, and you're half my age. Steve Gregory, national correspondent for iHeartMedia. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. system was designed to make the women think that they would suffer serious harm if they didn't perform the tasks assigned because when they first were initiated into this DOS program, they had to give them really damaging collateral, including nude photos, financial details, secrets about family members. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. I wanted to give an update on this story that we've been following. It's just a a crazy story about the Nexium sex cult, alleged sex cult. (laughs) The Smallville actress, Allison Mack, was just in court and she pled guilty, actually, to some of the counts against her. She had originally pled not guilty, was out on $5 million bail, but she admitted that she was part of this group where they had sex slaves. The women in this cult had to be on strict diet controls. There was reports that they branded some of these women with the initials of the founder, Keith Rainieri. She admitted that she was instrumental in finding, recruiting, and controlling all these women who were part of that inner circle. That group was called DOS, Dominus Obsequious Sororium, or Master Over Slave Women. Miranda, tell us what she pled guilty for and how it went in court. Yeah, the 36-year-old appeared before a judge in Brooklyn Federal Court on Monday, and she admitted to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy charges, including extortion and forced labor. And this was just hours, Oscar, before jury selection was set to begin in her case. She was crying so hard that the judge actually stopped her plea 
to offer her tissues, admitting that she had her own slave and instructed women in the group to perform certain services for her. She said that the system was designed to make the women think that they would suffer serious harm if they didn't perform the tasks assigned because when they first were initiated into this DOS program, they had to give them really damaging collateral, including nude photos, financial details, secrets about family members, all kinds of yeah. things. They offered up this stuff voluntarily right? because they wanted to be part of these groups. But they were warned right away, if you don't obey us, if you don't adhere to this master-slave relationship, we're going to leak all of your secrets. Everything's going to be found out about you. So that's how they had this control over the women. One of the funny things that happened was they asked her in court if she had a clear head. She admitted she had one beer last night. So I guess she was <laughs> okay there. You think of sex cults and you think of the brainwashing, the manipulation that goes into this. Why did Allison Mack get involved in this? I mean, she was an actress on this show, Smallville. It was a hit show. It was a hit show, but her career really didn't go much else beyond that. In her own words of the group, she said that she joined Nexium to find purpose. She truly believed that she had found a group of individuals who believed, as she did, that Keith Ranieri's intentions were to help people. And she admits that she was wrong about that. And we talk about Nexium and DOS and stuff, but the whole umbrella of it was that it's a self-help program. It's about professional people, whether they're actresses or business people. And it's all about having seminars to teach you confidence in the workplace and team building exercises. And these seminars were expensive. Very, They, they were very for expensive. like elite members of society, high profile business people, enhance your business or whatever, but also feel great about yourself. But she did say multiple times that she thought that the message that Keith Rainieri had and Nexium would be beneficial to others. This is why she joined the group. This is why she joined the DOS group to find and recruit other women to be part of it because she thought it would be beneficial. And all of that actually went into her recruiting tool bag. She was able to get these women into the society by telling them they were going to become members of a female mentorship group. And you think about it, it's like if she's recruiting women in their early to mid 20s, she's been on a hit TV show. She's in their eyes, a very successful Hollywood actress. Why would she lie? Why would she try to rope them into some weird snake oil cult? Yeah, I think that even Keith Raniere had worked her into some of his presentations mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, pointing to how fulfilled she was because of this whole thing. And just to end this off, just to, to you know, describe how crazy this alleged sex cult was, Keith Raniere himself allegedly believed that women were controlled by his sperm and that they were all connected somehow. Keith Raniere believed that women he had sex with were all connected via his sperm and this was just like another way he controlled the women in his harem, saying if a woman was having an issue, it hurts Keith. And if he's hurting, you're hurting. And so if you do something he doesn't like, then you get all the women and an army of women, sister wives, all of them coming after you. You get ostracized. You get basically kicked out of the group. No one wants to be your friend anymore. And even Allison Mack said that the women were going to save the world with Keith Rainier's super sperm. Oh, my gosh. One of the other things was, while you're part of a cult of this kind of quote unquote harem, it seems like you're being primed for a polygamous type of relationship. But Rainieri was also accused of having weird views about gender roles and incest. And he said it was OK for little girls to please their fathers. Pedophilia. He was later charged in March 2019 with having child pornography. So oh. the guy is creepy. His day in court is coming up pretty soon. I think they're going through some jury selection for him right now. And he, as you said, has pled not guilty. So there's probably going to be a lot more stuff coming out in that one. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar.
That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez. This was your Daily Dive.